Hi, everyone. I'm Elizabeth Stein, founder and CEO of Purely Elizabeth. And this is Live Purely with Elizabeth, featuring candid conversations about how to thrive on your wellness journey. With one of the most downloaded episodes, Elisa Vitti, top women's hormone expert, founder of Flow Living, integrative nutritionist, and a best-selling author of Women Code, and In the Flow is back on the podcast this week. Elisa is the creator of the Cycle Syncing Method, where she teaches women how to use their biological rhythms to optimize their health and create extraordinary lives. A graduate of John Hopkins University and the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, Elisa has been featured on the Dr. Oz Show and is a regular contributor to Women's Health, Mind Body Green, and the Huffington Post and Yahoo's Health Hormone Whisper column. We asked you on Instagram for your burning questions for Elisa, and in this episode, she answers everything from is it normal to have inconsistent cycle lengths? What is cycle syncing? What are the top ways to balance hormones? Is it normal to have PMS and cramps? Why seed oils are a top hormone disruptor? How the pill affects our gut and tips for going off the pill? What is perimenopause and what can we do to minimize menopause? We cover so much ground in this episode. I know you guys are going to absolutely love it. I just wonder why did they not teach us this stuff in grade school? Anyway, hope you enjoy. I have some super exciting news, Purely fans. I'm thrilled to announce that our newest product line of cookie granola is finally here. We've created a -a one-of-a-kind recipe where a delicious cookie meets our wholesome granola. It's made with organic gluten-free oats and coconut flour, 100% whole grains, baked with coconut oil and almond butter, and only 6 grams of sugar. These snackable granola clusters have all of the flavor and crispness of your favorite cookie recipe, but an indulgence that you can actually feel good about. It comes in three flavors to obsess over, classic chocolate chip, double chocolate, and my personal favorite, oatmeal raisin. You can find our cookie granolas at Walmart, Whole Foods, Publix, and PurelyElizabeth.com. To find a store near you, simply use the link in the show notes. I hope you're as obsessed with this new product as I am. Enjoy! Elisa, welcome back to the podcast. Such a pleasure to catch up with you. I think it was about a year ago that we did our last recording, and it was one of our very top episodes, which is why we're so excited to have you back. I'm so happy to be back. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So certainly it was one of the top episodes because women want more answers and we've been in the dark for so long and you've just done such an incredible job of educating the community and bringing so much of this to light that it's it's really incredible that we just are grown up knowing so little about it. So thank you for all the work that you do and um, the impact that you've had on so many women. You know, I just have been loving the whole concept of menstruation since I first heard about it when I was, what was, how old are you in sixth, fifth, sixth grade, 12, yeah. 11? Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's been unendingly fascinating to me. So it's a pleasure to um, do my part to educate women on the powers of their hormones and their cycle. It's a, a good thing. Amazing. Well, everyone can go back and listen to the last episode and hear your story, which was season four. But for now, that's kind of ground us. We we went and asked our community questions. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. But that's first ground us in the four phases of our cycle, because while so basic as that might be, it's still a big thing that many women don't even know. So yes, your cycle has four phases. There's the follicular phase, the ovulatory phase, the luteal phase, and the menstrual phase, which I really like to call the bleeding phase because it does get a little confusing and convoluted when you're saying the menstrual cycle, menstruation, and the fact that we use sort of one piece of vocabulary to describe both the entire cycle and the the moment of bleeding, I think is confusing. So you can either call it the bleeding phase or you can call that the menstrual phase, but then call the rest of it just your cycle to keep it straight in your mind. These four phases do 
specific things, let's say, within the reproductive structure. So, for example, in the follicular phase, your ovaries are producing, are starting to mature several uh, eggs at once. During ovulation, one of those eggs reaches full maturity and is released and travels down the fallopian tube into the uterus. During the luteal phase, the lot you 3D print an entire organ called the endometrium fresh every month, you know, no big deal. And that, you know, develops inside the uterine uh, wall. And then during menstruation, that's when that is sort of sloughed off and leaves the body if it's not needed. So that's what's happening, let's say, inside the body. And then there's the hormonal patterns that take place, right? So we have low to rising levels of estrogen in the follicular phase then which is helping with all of those eggs maturing but also has effects on our mood on our metabolism on our brain and all of these other things we have in the ovulatory phase the peak surge of estrogen as well as follicular stimulating hormone luteinizing hormone and testosterone which has a whole bunch of effects on the body brain metabolism immune response system stress response system and then in the luteal phase and that peak surge of all of those hormones, of course, causes the release of the egg from the ovary. Then in the luteal phase, in the first half, the luteal phase is the longest phase of the cycle. It's 10 to 12 days. Uh, it's my favorite phase of the cycle. I know everybody thinks ovulation is going to be my favorite. It's a, it's a close second, but I love the luteal phase because I love progesterone so much. The, the effect of progesterone on your body, this is what rises, makes its first and only appearance during the whole cycle, during the luteal phase. And as it's rising in your body, it has really profound effects on brain chemistry, uh, making you very calm and focused. I just, you know, as somebody who likes to work, this is why it's my favorite phase, because it really adds a lot to that phase. And of course, it's building the lining of the uterus along with that rising level of estrogen. It's holding it in place inside the uterine lining. And then when those levels start to decrease in the second half of the luteal phase, that's what has now indicated to the body that an, uh, a conception has not taken place and to start to release that lining. And then when they reach all their lowest levels at the end of the luteal phase, beginning of the menstrual phase, that's when you start bleeding. And then the cycle starts again. And all of this dynamic pattern is designed to facilitate this incredible physiological process, but it also has an Im important uh, effect on major systems of the body. And it is governed by, and this is sort of my sort of big discovery that I wrote about in the second book, In the Flow, it's governed by a specific biological clock called the infradian clock. And this makes sure that it keeps the time of all of this dynamic pattern in place. And affects all of these other systems of the body. Great. So one other grounding, obviously, as you're talking about the cycle and the rhythm, your whole ethos is, is really living in sync with these different phases and how we can eat and think and exercise according to those different phases. So if you want to touch on that as an overarching overview, that would be great. Yeah. So as I was sort of unpacking this infradian rhythm and its implications and impact on metabolic rate, on stress response, it became really apparent that the whole premise that we had been sort of operating under as women, because women were being left out of medical fitness and nutrition research, it was sort of this premise was, well, there were just smaller versions of men with slower metabolism. So we just should like really restrict a little bit more calorically and do a little bit more cardio to compensate. But that whole premise really falls apart because that's, that doesn't make any sense, right? In the sense that if we were a circadian only being, which men are, their hormonal pattern follows a circadian clock, then it does make sense to eat the same amount of calories day in and day out and do the same type of workouts, you know, in terms of intensity on a regular basis, find even doing a workout at the same time of day for example, is also relevant if you have a circadian only clock. And that's true, let's say of children and of women who are postmenopausal because they're circadian only as well. 
But then when you're in your reproductive years, because of this infradian effect that creates this dynamic pattern, right? For example, your metabolism is slower in the first half in the follicular and ovulatory phases, but it's faster during the luteal phase in the second half of your cycle. Studies show you have to eat 279 more calories per day in that second half of the cycle. So this whole idea of just trying to be good, quote unquote, big air quotes, and eat the same amount of calories every single day is ludicrous, totally ridiculous. And we have to just we have to just jettison that and let it go because it's not serving you. And in fact, what it's doing is disrupting your blood sugar. If you eat the same calories in the follicular phase and try to maintain that, let's say it's 1200 calories a day, and then you try to maintain that in the luteal phase, you're going to disrupt your blood sugar. You're going to become more hypoglycemic, which is going to trigger a cortisol response, which is going to decrease your progesterone levels, which is going to increase your PMS. That's just within that one cycle. If you keep doing that, then of course, we're talking about prolonged PMS as a reality and other cycle disruption, right? Elevated estrogen and insufficient progesterone is the is one of the environments in which many menstrual disorders arise, whether it's fibroids or um, ovarian cysts or heavy cramps, heavy bleeding, all of that really can only take place when there's this sort of mis, uh, imbalance of estrogen and progesterone, which we can prevent with proper cyclical management. And so when I was looking at all of these things, it just sort of occurred to me that what we needed was a method to really properly take care of these cyclical patterns. And that's when I created the cycle syncing method, which has you synchronize your food, your not just calorie uh, intake, but also your food type to match your hormonal patterns throughout the cycle. And then also your workout type and intensity is very, very important to shift that as well throughout the cycle. And then, as I mentioned in your first question, there are all these powerful brain chemistry effects that these hormonal concentrations have throughout the month, it's really advantageous from a stress management and productivity point of view to start synchronizing some of your work and productivity choices with the phases of your cycle as well. So that's the cycle syncing method. I created an app to make this super easy for people and intuitive. It's called MyFlow. It's free to download, has a circle icon like the book. And, um, and you can join the revolution. This has become something of a revolution. In fact, we have, uh, I believe at the last check, it was 500 million uh, searches for cycle oh syncing. God. So it's become something of, I think, a revolution because, you know, you can imagine what it feels like to go your whole life, A, not, you know, kind of having this whole situation around your cycle being a blind spot. And then also, kind of absorbing a cultural narrative that says you have to deny your body in order to succeed in the world because it's a world that's oriented around this male hormonal pattern. And then you're given actually the correct information, you know, for the first time and a, and a method to, to really thrive in your own biological reality. And it feels really revelatory and, and celebratory to start living this way. And so I think a lot of women are really enjoying um, coming home to themselves for the first time and feeling good. I mean, getting rid of symptoms is such an easy thing when you do this, but it's it's really about thriving um, from a different perspective as well. Yeah, it's incredible. And I think it, I mean, 500 million views certainly shows the amount of this yearning that women have to not only feel better, but educate themselves and really open up to a world that they didn't know. So we'll start with some of the questions. And I think this is a, a perfect first one to start with, which is just on the basics of like PMS and cramps. We've been taught our whole life, like, yeah, you get PMS and cramps. And I may have inherited that from my mom, which I know is totally not true. So if you can explain, is it normal to have PMS and cramps? And is it inherited? Okay. So it's commonplace to have PMS and cramps because of what we just talked about in the sense that women aren't given the proper education and, and they don't know how to take care of themselves. So as a result, it's very common to have PMS and cramps. Is it normal? No, it's a sign of a hormone imbalance. And I want to stress that 
you need to take those uh, signs from your body very seriously. And that's not just my opinion. In 2016, the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecologists decreed, very historical actually, uh, that women's cycles must now be considered their fifth vital sign. You know, the other four that they take in the emergency room? Well, your cycle is now, from a medical perspective, considered a fifth vital sign. So if, you know, and just think of it this way, if you have a fever, right, you're all over that, you deal with that, you're, you're on top of that. If you have cramps, if you have PMS, if you're having other issues with your cycle, that is the equivalent of having a negative reading on one of these other four vital signs, right? Then you would want to take that very seriously. So yes, it's a hormone imbalance. Why do we have cramps? I always think it's fun to understand the science behind it because then it just makes it like a fun game to sort of sort it out. So here's the deal with cramps. Your uterus is a muscle, right? And for any of you who've ever given birth or been pregnant, you understand like it does its thing, right? It is, it's, it is a powerful uh, structure. And it's controlled by these things called prostaglandins, the, the ability for it to contract and release as controlled by prostaglandins. And so there are three of them, PGE1, 2, and 3. If nature designed you to be having cramps, you would at least have to have more prostaglandins that controlled uterine contraction, right? Like two of them would have to control uterine contraction, but only one does. Two of them are designed to control uterine relaxation, right? So PGE1 and 3 control uterine relaxation. PGE2 controls uterine contraction. The challenge is when you eat foods that are processed, especially processed seed oils that are sort of having the wrong omega fatty acid com uh, sort of balance, you start to drive up the production of PGE2 and suppress the production of PGE1 and 3. And so what you have is a uterus who is overworking unnecessarily to expel the endometrium. And it doesn't need to be that way. We have, I mean, just by changing your, within one menstrual cycle, you can get rid of your cramps. So long as this is the cause of your cramps. Now you could of course have fibroids, you could have adenomyosis, you could have endometriosis. And that's a separate issue in terms of, let's say, uh, the uterus being a little bit more challenged to do its job of expelling that lining. But if it's just what we'll call garden variety cramping, even if like it used to be for me, before I figured this out, and I've been in labor, so I will tell you, my cramps were e equivalent to labor pain. And if I did not catch it within, you know, I would first feel it in my thighs before I would feel the cramping. And I was like, uh oh, it's starting, it's coming. And if I didn't take ibuprofen before the cramps hit, I would be in a, like, I'd have to lay down for at least six hours while I, my, while my body kind of, went through this labor and it was like labor it would come and go. I'd have intense moments and then I'd have a break. It was labor pains. And this was just the cramping. I would be green and white. I mean, it was horrible. I, so when I, when I talk about like, I get painful cramps. I really do. Um, I know women also can black out. I mean, and pass out. I mean, it, it, this is, it's no joke. And I know that there are these uh, simulator devices that they put on men, which I just think is the funniest thing ever and so great. But I mean, there have been all sorts of memes about how painful menstrual cramps are. So I take it seriously. And for me to tell you that this is something that you can resolve in a cycle, I would not even try to tell you that if I haven't seen it personally and professionally for so many women. But it's just so exciting to be able to solve that problem for yourself and to get off the roller coaster of pain medications and, and days off out of your life um, and all of that discomfort, because it's also very stressful. You know, when you're feeling all that pain, it's very stressful. So it's not just the pain, but you're also anxious and upset and it's draining. So I hope that just by switching up your fats, right? Just by getting rid of seed oils, getting rid of canola oil, eating more coconut oil, eating more flax oil, eating more avocado oil, olive oil, just having healthier fats all around within a month, you'll start to have a major improvement in, and then month over month, it'll only get better from there. But, and, and I'm here to tell you, I do not have any cramps. And this is also important too, if you're preparing for childbirth, it doesn't need to be so painful. 
if you eat properly leading up to it because again the uterus has a big job to do and it's going to use a lot of prostaglandins to do labor but you can be efficient about it which is why for example a lot of midwives recommend using raspberry leaf towards the end of your pregnancy raspberry leaf tea to help your uterus be very tone tonified what does that mean just efficient it's like a muscle you want it to be working efficiently so that's the story around cramps pms also a hormonal imbalance where there is too much estrogen without enough progesterone opposing it in a healthy cycle in a healthy luteal phase you should have much more progesterone compared to estrogen in terms of a ratio of balance and when you do you have no pms zero pms let me say that again you can have zero pms even if you have all the pms right now you can completely get rid of that like for real and i think that that's important because there is a cultural narrative that says well if it was painful for your mother or difficult for the women in your family that that's what you're you know it's a, it's this like mythological toxic story that women really believe because we're not given the correct information we don't understand the science but this is a hundred percent something you can manipulate with diet and lifestyle and the cycle syncing method is your best tool to get rid of pms period pun intended because what you're going to be doing in order to flip that ratio right to get out of too much estrogen and not enough progesterone to flip it to the other way. You've got to keep blood sugar consistent throughout the month. You've got to eliminate excess estrogen throughout the month properly. You've got to eat strategically to build progesterone levels. You've got to make sure you're not overworking your cortisol by changing your workouts according to the phases of your cycle. So the whole method uh, behind cycle syncing is really designed to optimize the hormonal output in each phase. And you can't really spot treat it. You know, you can't really just, okay, I'm going to take care of myself in the luteal phase. It doesn't work that way because each phase of the cycle is contingent upon the phase prior. So you really do have to be committed to taking care of your cycle as a whole. And, and just download the MyFlow app. It'll tell you what to do, what to eat, which workouts to do. And you don't have to think about it. What you do want to do is, and that'll let you track your symptoms. It's just really watch how your symptoms evaporate within a couple of cycles. And you can be rid of PMS forever. Well, for anyone listening who has PMS or cramps, hopefully that you're feeling much better now knowing that there's a way that you don't have to feel that way. And I think it's so important hearing that and also hearing, you know, you said at the beginning, talking about cramps, like this is normal and you need to listen to your body. And I think this was a big takeaway from me reading your books and talking to you and a little bit about my journey last year in the last couple of months where I had gone off birth control. I always had a regular period and then six months later, and I never had cramps. And then six months later, I had a really heavy period where I had a ton of cramps and I thought like, this is not normal. And I think, you know, I, I'm so in tune with my body that I did something with about it, but I think there's a lot of people who might not be. And so, you, you know, you might just think, okay, this was a different month, but I ended up going to my doctor and getting a bunch of testing and blood work. And as it turned out, I had high prolactin and then it affected, um, had to go get an MRI and turned out I had a small non-cancerous tumor in my pituitary gland. But long story short, the important part was listening to your body. And when That's something right. is a little bit different, that wasn't that way, like it wasn't normal to have those cramps and that's what set off my path. And so really wanting that to be a lesson to people to not take that lightly and to really go and talk to someone if something is off or alarming. Yeah. And I think that's what's so powerful about tracking your cycle, which is the other thing that the MyFlow app allows you to do is really track your symptoms over time. And because, you know, when something is off, it's relative to what is your normal, right? And so for you, you know, you were trying to even establish what is normal for you because you had been on oral contraception for so long. And so many women are, in fact, that when they do go off, they're not even sure what's normal, what's not. And so tracking for a few months can be really, really a powerful tool to help you understand, you know, what, what feels right. But then also listening to that little voice inside of you that says, hmm, something doesn't feel quite right. That's always a good thing. And always great to go get testing and, and follow up when, when you're feeling that way.
So our next question on that topic was on going off of contraception and what can you expect after you've been on birth control? Well, you know, I wish I could give you a whole bunch of good news, but you know, (laughs) (laughs) what I will say is it will be manageable if you prepare and support yourself properly. So here's, here's what happens when you're on this medication. First and foremost, it sort of shuts off all your production of your own hormones. That's how it works. And instead of you being able to make estrogen, progesterone, et cetera, you are dosed with it through the medium of that oral contraception or a shot or a, a ring or you know whatever it is that you're using. But it doses you as opposed to you creating your own. And that's important to understand because you're not making any hormones the whole time that you're on it. And you're not ever ovulating and you're not ever having a period when you're on oral contraception. You can say, but wait, I get get some sort of bleeding every month. That's just breakthrough bleeding because your uterus is being stimulated a little bit by the synthetic estrogen and progesterone. But most gynecologists, when they prescribe these things, will tell you that, in fact, you should expect that to go away altogether and that you wouldn't have any bleeding at any time. So you're not ovulating, you're not menstruating. And the reason why I want you to know that is just because there's a big opportunity cost to not having ovulation every month. Ovulation is the most important part of our cycle in terms of, let's say, the long-term health benefits. Short-term, every ovulation confers cardio, neuro, and osteoprotection to you, protects your brain, heart, and bone density, which is why, for example, let's say female athletes in high school, if they're getting down to very low BMIs and they lose their period. Doctors are concerned for their bone density health. So it's important. Ovulation is very important, but it's also important because someday you will be postmenopausal. And when you are postmenopausal, you of course not ovulating, but every ovulation you do have that you had when you were in your reproductive years continues to protect your brain, your heart, and your bone density in your postmenopausal years, which is so important. So the big opportunity cost is if you're stopping ovulation for 20 years of your life, you're also robbing your future self of that protection, which no one's talking about, right? No. You know, and I think if if women were really given that information, they would be like, well, what are my other options? You know, they would just want to know what are my other options? So that's just blocking and tackling what's happening. And then the third layer of what's happening is while you're taking the medication, it's actively depleting your system of key micronutrients and disrupting your gut. And this is very problematic in the short term because it can have profound effects on mental health. It can have profound effects on weight and metabolism and and muscle density. And then, you know, long term, when you go off of this, you have to clean it up. It's kind of difficult. And some women never recover from, let's say, the effect of, for example, there's a potential side effect of being on birth control where for every woman temporarily, it um, elevates the levels of sex hormone binding globulin. So it suppresses your sensitivity to testosterone. But then for some women, even when you go off of it, this is sort of a permanent change. And so your sex drive never comes back to, right? And so that's another potential side effect. So all that being said, what are your other choices, right? If you want to prevent pregnancy, how do you do that? If that's why you took this, if you took, if you got on this medication to fix your fibroids, your PCOS, your endometriosis, your PMS, your cramping, your acne, right? That's not the solution that you need or want. There is a better way. Cycle syncing is the better way, okay? Um, If you went on it to prevent pregnancy, let's just understand, you can, the egg is only viable for 48 hours. For any of you who are listening, who are in your fertility journey, trying to conceive, struggling to conceive, you know, it's kind of like this big, sort of twisted joke once you get to that point where you're like up until the moment where you're trying to have a a baby everyone's like you could get pregnant at any time and then when you want to get pregnant you're like oh you can only get pregnant for 48 hours out of the month you know it's like what you know why why aren't we just told this all from the beginning and it's frustrating because it's a very short window and you're being given medication that kind of flattens you every single day when you only need some protection for those 48 hours plus the five days that sperm can live 
in the body. So it's really a seven day window of time. You've got to protect yourself as opposed to every single day. So it's about looking for other options. The, and now we live in a more technologically advanced femtech moment, right? 70 years ago when birth control made its advent on the scene, right? This was a huge technological advancement and wonderful for women to be able to do family planning. But as all, I mean, we're not putting VHS tapes in our, in our players anymore, right? We're, we're streaming things now. Technology changes and we change with it. And I think this is just one of those moments where we can and do have other options and we should be really investigating them as really viable options. One of those is using wearable devices that track basal body temperature so that you know with precision when you're ovulating, when that 48 hour window is, and then using barrier methods for that one week out of the month. It's just one week. If you don't wanna get pregnant, that you have to use a barrier method. And if you're with someone and you really don't wanna use a barrier method, there's another product that's uh, FDA approved and by prescription from your gynecologist called Fexi, P-H-E-X-X-I. And it's a lactic acid vaginal gel. I mean, you guys are using lactic acid like on your face at night for face, so gentle. It just prevents the sperm from doing anything and going anywhere. It's not a spermicide, so it's more gentle and it has no hormonal side effects. And you could use that. You could use that plus a barrier. I mean, you could do whatever you wanted, but with tracking that is possible today, there's really no need to kind of use such an overkill method of birth control to prevent pregnancy if, if you're only using it from a family planning point of view. Thank you. Those were such great tips. And I think especially hearing about, you know, if, if you knew as an adolescent taking the pill of here's actually all of the benefits in the future and what you're suppressing, I mean, that's a pretty big. I mean, it would be so exciting to think about like, what would an alternate reality look like for teen girls, right? Well, it would look like they would just be getting a wearable device, really getting into tracking their cycle, intimately understanding their bodies and their patterns, cycle syncing to take care of their hormones and being really smart and responsible around, you know, what they're doing in terms of protecting themselves, which in your teen years should always include barrier methods because, you know, you're in your teen years. So I think it's, it's a different potential reality than the one we've been living with. And you also asked a question about what do you do when you come off? When you come off, you know, from a skin perspective, uh, the pill reverts your sebaceous glands to prepubescent uh, function. So when you go off, you're going to have a little bit of rebound with the skin. And of course, you have all the micronutrient depletion and the gut issues. So the best thing to do, and this is why I formulated the balance products, the balance kit, which you can purchase at Flow Living's website, that is really about addressing those micronutrient deficiencies, addressing the inflammation, addressing the gut microbiome imbalances, and really restoring those levels to where they should be, you know, because of the, the impact of the medication. So before you go off, you can start taking the balance kit. And then of course, while you come off, you can be doing that as well. And as soon as you get your cycle back, start cycle syncing. What are the top three worst offenders, whether it be diet or lifestyle for women to affect their hormones? I think the first thing are endocrine disruptive chemicals. I mean, we could just do a whole talk about this and I know I'm preaching to the choir with you, but you know, if you're using anything that any, and I mean anything, look everywhere, look on every type of packaged goods you have. If it says the word fragrance, doesn't even have to say artificial. If it just says fragrance, that in and of itself is massive endocrine disruption exposure. So you have to be really vigilant about removing those things from your life. So, I mean, air fresheners, candles, perfume. You know what's so cool? Michelle Pfeiffer, the actress. Yes. She came up with a, because this is such a, this is such Henry a, Rose. I mean, I haven't used perfume in, I don't even know, 20 years. I, don't, I mean, I don't use it. And then she came out, I think she just got so frustrated with it. She created a, I mean, this is what I love about women entrepreneurs. They, they just solve problems for all of the rest of us, which I just love being part of that community. So she created a company called, I think it's Henry Rose is the name. 
And I mean, of all the natural fragrance companies I've seen over the years, this one really, in my opinion, does it properly because everything is EWG certified. There, there is no concern using those products. And I rarely even mention brands because I'm super picky, but, um, it's exciting that something like that exists because I know a lot of women really love wearing fragrances and they feel that such a loss when they have to give that up. But now there's some great alternatives. So you can explore that makeup. You know, if you're not switching over to organic makeup, you got to do that. Um, and of course your, your skincare routine and your home cleansing products, really important to, to shift that also really a big consideration. If you have children, you know, I have a nine-year-old daughter. I've been, I, I mean, I, I always say I'm reverse engineering her puberty, like from in utero, you know, because I understand how this all gets stacked and built. Her pubescent experience is absolutely the culmination of everything I ate while I was pregnant with her and everything I've been feeding her, how I take care of her gut, you know, her home environment, you know, all of it. So there's no artificial fragrance in the house. And anytime, anytime we have somebody over that uses, let's say, you know, those detergents that like, there's like a commercial, there's a commercial, I can't remember the commercials, like somebody's on the bus and they're like, no, it was, it was a commercial about somebody did their laundry a month ago and then they forgot about a sweater and then they took it out a month later and they're like, oh, it still smells exactly like I just washed. And I think to myself, oh my God, think about the chemical compounds that need to be used in order for that to be the case. You do not want that on your skin all day long. You just don't. So I think endocrine disruptive chemicals are really important and also to protect your children's pubescent journey because so many boys and girls now are going through precocious puberty, which is a huge health issue, long-term repercussions, not, a, not ideal. So that's the first thing. I think the second thing outside of that really does come down to, are you working with the function of your body or are you just kind of ignoring it? So what does that mean? Are you supporting your blood sugar throughout the day? Are you managing your cortisol response throughout the day? And then are you supporting your hormones throughout the month? And if you, if you aren't, if you're kind of ignoring that, what does that look like? That looks like skipping breakfast or having just coffee or having not enough balance of your macronutrients at every meal. So like just living on salad, trying to restrict, you know, or, or overindulging, having lots of, you know, processed food, fast food, takeaway food, any of those things that really just wreak havoc on the ecosystem of your body. It just makes it so hard for your body to then create balanced hormones. Because remember the endocrine system, which is the system that governs your hormonal production, it has like a hierarchical order. And this is what I wrote about in my first book, Woman Code. If you wanna fix your hormonal output, let's say around menstruation, you actually have to start with the most important thing that the endocrine system does, which is to protect the transport of glucose to the brain, the heart, and the muscle tissue. So if you're skipping meals, if you're like coffee in the morning, alcohol at night, going to bed late, you know, like if you're just, screwing up this basic thing of balanced blood sugar, your body is only going to be focused on trying to deal with that. And it's not going to be, have any sort of, let's say reserve ability to produce balanced hormones for your cycle. So that's really the second place that I would look is just, you know, how are you actually taking care of that endocrine system? And if you had to name a third, would it be seed oils? No, I wouldn't like specifically call out seed oils. I mean, I, I don't, I definitely don't like them. I think it's just part of sort of like your, you know, bad food choices. That's sort of part of that second, second thing. Um, what's, what's a third thing? I think stress. I really do. We think of stress as this sort of amorphous thing and we're kind of, we've numb ourselves to it. We say, oh, you know, I'm stressed and we don't even really register what that actually means. But when you are stressed, your cortisol levels are elevated. When cortisol is elevated on a regular basis, this really disrupts so much inside of your system. It throws off fat metabolism, blood sugar stability. It steals uh, your body's master hormone pregnenolone. So you're making more, uh, you're converting more of that pregnenolone to cortisol and not enough to progesterone. And so now all of a sudden you're having more and more PMS. 
mismanaging your stress levels is a huge endocrine disruptive problem. And women are really unsupported societally around this. And so, you know, I'm not saying this to add burden to your mental load of like, well, you know, you know, shoot, I have to like take care of everybody. And now I got to take care of my stress. I'm so stressed about taking care of my stress. You know, I get that's not why I'm bringing it up. I'm just saying we can work smarter, not harder. You know, I am a mom, I'm a wife, I'm a daughter, I'm a friend. I am an entrepreneur. I'm an author. I'm a speaker. I get wearing a lot of hats. I would not be able to do even 50% of the things that I accomplish if I was not synchronizing them to some extent, not all the time, you don't have to do it perfectly, to my cyclical phases just for the purposes of keeping my stress levels as low as I can, which is not necessarily low. It's just that I'm not adding to it by doing things all the time out of sync with my cycle phases where it makes it more stressful on my body. And of course you can do anything at any time, but working, going with the flow, right? And that's why we call the book in the flow, going with the flow obviously is more advantageous, right? If you can find a stream to put your little canoe on and go down it, that's obviously more up advantageous than having to paddle upstream to get where you wanna go, right? So it's really just the same principle applied, let's say from a biological point of view. So I think if you, look at your stress from the vantage point of how do I work with it and work a little smarter, it becomes less stressful to figure out how to manage your stress. And I think that's also really important. Love that. Next question, what can we do to minimize our menopause symptoms in the future? So knowing maybe we're leading up to perimenopause, we have this thing. My mom had a lot of symptoms. Is that a hereditary thing? Is that not a hereditary? Anything we can do around that? I love talking about perimenopause. I'm in perimenopause. I mean, if you're over 35, sister, you're in it. Okay. And that's exciting to talk about because again, just like we were not talking about menstruation and we didn't know anything about it, you can't, you can't be about it if you don't know about it. Right. So let's just understand the basics of perimenopause first. Start to 35 in the brain, much like puberty starts in the pituitary gland around the age of nine, right? It's a 10 year process, really uh, puberty. And so is perimenopause. It takes a long time. And thank goodness, because otherwise we would all just like spontaneously combust into a hot flashing, you know, puddle of water. I mean, it would really be a very dramatic experience to fall off the hormonal cliff precipitously like that. So it goes slow. And in the first decade, 35 to 45, you should not feel a thing. You should not notice a thing. It should be business as usual, except behind the curtain, behind the pituitary curtain, you have slightly, ever so slightly increasing levels of follicular stimulating hormone. The whole process of perimenopause is to ever so slightly increase FSH to a particular level. And once it gets high enough, that shuts off ovulation. That's that's the whole journey, right? Now, there's some other things that happen with your other hormones, which I'll describe in the second stage. But in the first, the first decade, it should be smooth sailing. And the way you protect against premature hormonal aging, which is what a lot of women are now dealing with 40 to 45, and I, it's really shocking to see how that's becoming an increasing reality for women, they're estrogen levels are you know shifting too quickly their progesterone levels are falling off much more precipitously their melatonin levels are falling off their testosterone levels are falling off and they're they're going through the second stage of perimenopause in where they should still be in the first and that's where you have a lot of these symptoms right if you don't manage it so the name of the game is slowing down this hormonal aging process by supporting healthy and robust hormone levels and you set yourself up for success from 35 to 45 by cycle thinking as soon as you start menstruating. Because if you're supporting your progesterone, like for example, if you have PMS today at 25, we already know that your progesterone insufficient, right? That's the condition by which PMS exists, which means that's going to negatively impact your fertility journey. You cannot maintain a pregnancy in the first trimester without robust levels of progesterone. And then of course, this 
moves into perimenopause, you are going to age very quickly through that process because you don't have enough progesterone. So you're going to feel all the, the symptoms, the stereotypical and unnecessary symptoms of perimenopause because of this progesterone insufficiency. So you've got to start young, really planning, reverse engineering your, your hormonal well-being for out, throughout your lifespan. It's not like we don't need to be spot treating this. We need to be in it to win it for the long haul. So if you're hearing this now, you're like, well, oh, no, I'm 37. It's not too late. Download the app. Don't freak out. Download the app, MyFlow app and start cycle syncing immediately. It will absolutely confer benefits. And we do, there was a study that came out. I think this was maybe now, I don't know, I keep having to add years to it, but it was notable because there are so few studies specifically about this for women, maybe six, seven, eight years ago now. And it was published in the New York Times, the study just by adding two servings of, of omega-3 rich fatty fish and three servings of legumes per week, a woman was, women were able to delay their last bleed, which is menopause, by three years. Oh. So when I'm telling you that food has a profound effect on your cyclical well-being and slowing down hormonal aging, I am dead serious. You have all the power and agency you need to right at your own fingertips and your fork to really make a huge difference in how you go through this journey. So that's stage one. The second half of perimenopause is 45 to 55, right? So to speak. It, the average age of menopause, again, which is the last bleed. Menarche is the first bleed. Menopause is the last bleed. Um, you're either premenopausal or postmenopausal. You're not menopausal because that's just the moment that you're having your last bleed. That average age is about 52. So the second stage of perimenopause is, let's say, 45 to 52-ish. Some women bleed 53, 54. So I like to give it a full decade, 45 to 55, just to take into account everyone's journey as individual. Now, this is what's supposed to happen in this stage. You are supposed to be making more and more FSH. Ovulation should become more sporadic, meaning some months you will, some months you won't. As a result, estrogen will fluctuate a little bit more regularly. During your reproductive years, the, the fluctuations of estrogen are like a pulse, like a steady heartbeat, very rhythmic and uh, regular. In the second half of perimenopause, estrogen is a little bit more a little bit more jumpy, it's a little bit more skittish, it's a little up and down. And progesterone will slowly start to decrease in, in production. Melatonin starts to decrease in production and testosterone can also start to decrease in production if you do nothing. Okay, this is all if you do nothing. So what that all ends up being is all your hormone levels get to their lowest point and you stop having a period and then you're postmenopausal and you're in this new normal of you're out of the rhythmic reality in Freudian rhythm stops and then you're postmenopausal and you're having just daily levels of estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, et cetera. So that's the normal journey. It's nothing to be scared about. Although, you know, I will probably be sad <laughs> when my, I love my period so much. I, I'm, I, I do think that it's a gift to have it, especially because I didn't have one for a decade, you know, from 12 to 22 when everybody else was having theirs and I wasn't having mine. So, you know, I, I hope to have mine as long as possible and certainly working towards that, towards that goal for various health reasons. But we shouldn't be judging negatively any of these experiences. This is just what's happening in the body. What you want to do in the second stage is really think a little bit differently about your health for the first time in a long time, because you're, you're going to be moving away from a cyclical reality into a daily reality. And the, the studies show that the best way to really support our hormonal production and, you know, protect our health is to shift a little bit to a more circadian based pattern of self care. So while you are having a cycle, you feel like you're ovulating, you can be doing your cycle syncing when you have your months where you're skipping, you can shift more into increased intermittent fasting. It's a, a really important strategy. And then the second thing is you want to, I mean, I think this should start immediately for every woman, but certainly at 35 and definitely if not by 45, start at 45, serious commitment to strength training because 
growing and maintaining bigger muscle mass in your perimenopausal journey actually has a, they, they become an endocrine organ. They start to help you produce other hormones and that's really beneficial. It helps when estrogen is no longer something that's helping you stabilize blood sugar and, and progesterone with your mood, having all of this, um, you know, energy from your muscle is really going to be something that is helpful for you. So as well as protecting your bone density, as well as protecting your flexibility and your heart health and all of that. So serious strength training is something that I recommend every woman over 45 lift heavy, get a gym membership, work with a trainer, get yourself oriented to a new kind of training and start lifting heavy. It is my favorite thing to be, I'm, you know, as I am over 45, I love heavy strength training. It's so much fun. It's, it's the best. So, you know, definitely, definitely do that. And then you can start to think about getting some testing done to see what your tolerance level might be for bioidentical hormones, depending on how your body breaks down estrogen. And there's different types of estrogen. You have to be cognizant of any family risk with cancers and you could potentially use some bioidentical hormones uh, to help you, let's say, smooth out the, the sort of bumpy road that the second phase of perimenopause can be for women. But you should not be in a position where you're hot flashing all the time, sweating all the time. For example, we know that night sweats really are just the result of eating too much carbohydrate late enough in the day that your body is just dealing with that metabolically while you're trying to sleep. So you do have to start shifting the way that you eat as well. Getting off alcohol is a great gift to give yourself uh, after 45. If not, I mean, I stopped at 35, but you know, as soon as I hit perimenopause, I was like, okay, that's it. <laughs> no more alcohol. Um, you know, so you can give yourself that gift as well. And, um, you don't have to be suffering with so many of these symptoms, uh, just like you don't have to be suffering with PMS. Well, Alisa, these were such amazing bits of information. You're such a wealth of knowledge. And I think the overarching takeaway for me is just the empowerment that you're really providing for women to realize that all these things that they're living with, they don't necessarily have to, and that we have the power with our fork, with our activity, you know, really to make a difference and a change in our lives. So thank you so much for providing all that information. And in closing, where can everybody find you and what's next for you? Well, actually, we just launched our brand new um, cycle syncing feature within the MyFlow app where you get personalized care plans based on, you know, what is happening in your cycle so that you can start to really cycle sync and get your workouts and get recipes and get uh, all the things that you need to start making your cycle perform better for you, getting rid of PMS and just feeling the way that you're supposed to. So make sure you download the MyFlow app and take a look at the brand new feature that we just released. Everyone can definitely find us at flowliving.com and then on social media, it's flowliving and alisa.vd. The books both in the flow and woman code are wherever books are sold. Congratulations. Thank you so much. We'll chat soon. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining me on Live Purely with Elizabeth. I hope you feel inspired to thrive on your wellness journey. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to rate, subscribe, and review. You can follow us on Instagram at purely underscore Elizabeth to catch up on all the latest. See you next Wednesday on the podcast.